positivity allowed inside my day. Nothing but blessings, health, wealth, and love. And the creative spark to express all of the above. I'm talking no limits. See, the stacks have already spent it. And the life have already lived it. The dreams, they are just beginning. I mean, no limits. Prosperity through our retirement. Humanity saving the environment. The highest level of the flyest shit, yeah. Hey y'all, you are listening to another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things concerning self-development and bettering our spirit, but from the homie perspective, somebody that's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey y'all, it's Maria, your spiritual homegirl, and I am very excited to bring to you all an interview that I did with Braxton Cook. He's a alto saxophonist, he's a singer, songwriter, producer, arranger, all of the above. And he's a pretty cool spirit as well. He's an Aries son, so just like me. So shout out to those Aries sons out there. And he has a project that came out a few months ago on the Fresh Deluxe label called Somewhere In Between. Now, listening to the project, I was taken immediately by the energy that I felt from the music. I could tell that this is something that really came from a deep place, and I wanted to know more. So once we got to talking, I realized that his story in terms of how he came up with this project could be relatable to so many different people. I mean, I immediately identified, and I knew that, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of other people that could identify with his story as well. I am also doing a giveaway as well. It's going to be a trivia question from the interview and the answer is going to come from none other than Braxton himself so please listen carefully once the interview airs I'm going to make a Instagram post with the contest the winner will end up winning a copy of his latest album which is called again somewhere in between so y'all be on the lookout for that but in the meantime enjoy the interview all right y'all I'm speaking with Braxton Cook how you doing today I'm good that's what's up so tell us Age, occupation, and sun sign. Okay, so um, I'm 26. I'm a musician. I'm an alto saxophonist and singer-songwriter. Um, what was the last question? What was the last one? Sun sign. All right, I'm an Aries. March mm-hmm. Team Aries in the house. Mm-hmm. So, how did you get into music? Um, well. I guess, like, in my house, kind of everybody was into music. Like, my mom, she played classical piano. And um, I have three other brothers, and we all kind of dabble in music. Um, my older brother, he used to play a little bit of drums. Like, all my brothers kind of sang. And the, the brother actually under me, his name is Brendan. He, he plays in Solange's band, Solange Knowles. And he's like her MD now. And oh, dope. he's always been super talented, you know, like, a Pretty much anything, I mean, guitar, piano, bass, whatever. He could just kind of pick things up. So, like, the, 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 the two of us, you know, um, oh, wow, damn, lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the, the, yeah, the two of us kind of just both played a lot of music, and it kind of just stuck with us a little bit more, so we ended up pursuing it, you know. Um, and I kind of got into saxophone, I guess, specifically. Uh, after my, my mom got my dad, like, saxophone for his birthday around somewhere in the 90s I forgot exactly which year um and he used to practice like you know I don't know like like real kind of corny R&B kind of songs you know like uh what was that um that Whitney Houston song from the bodyguard you know like like oh. you know real real healthy what was that song called I will always love you thank you yeah stuff like that you know what I mean and I would just be hearing them playing like R&B saxophone and I remember, yeah, just going down and, and, and checking him out, and he let me, like, try the horn. You know, I must have been, I don't know, five, six. And I kind of just, like, you know, after, it, it kind of takes a, a second to get a good sound on an instrument to, like, one, make a note, you know? But immediately I could kind of get a good sound, you know? And he was like, oh, you might have a knack for this. So, like, um, eventually when it came down around the time to pick an instrument in fifth grade, I decided that, like, you know, first one of the first instruments I signed up for was like saxophone. I already kind of had a, a knack for it, and kind of ever since then was always listening for it in music. Whenever I heard like old school records, when I heard Earth, Wind, and Fire, if I heard um, Marvin Gaye, like like old Motown records, you know, like the saxophone always I always kind of gravitated towards it. 
Um, yeah, and it was kind of, you know, after that, fifth grade, I kind of just stuck with it, you know, started pursuing it a little bit more seriously. So what was it about, well, first off, what, what would you define your music as? Do you put it in a particular genre or no? Oh, no, nah. I don't even really want to, I don't like to even define other people's music, you know, I kind of just, because it, it's so personal, it's so, you know, it's like putting someone, some, you know, it's like defining yourself, it's, it's like, we're kind of beyond all of, all of those kind of boundaries and genres, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like, um, obviously my influences are, are very much R&B and jazz and, and um, you know, I've studied some classical and I got, you know, went, you know, obviously going up in like a Baptist church and stuff, all of those things kind of like soak in, you know, like they kind of, you absorb all of those kind of sounds and, and, and styles and, and it kind of just starts to come out. Uh, when you start creating your own music in an organic kind of way, and um, yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't. I would really. I don't know what to call mine. Unfortunately, yeah. When you put it on, when you upload things to iTunes and, and Spotify, yeah, you got to put it under one particular uh, genre. So in that, you know, it's like in the business world, yes, it's, it's jazz music. Um, but I think that, like me, as long. I mean, it, I like to think my music is is kind of. Um, embracing other art forms and other styles and other genres and kind of genre-less, you know. Uh, at least that's definitely what I'm aspiring to do. And there's a bunch of other artists like that. Those have always been my favorite artists anyways. The ones where you kind of can't put a finger on it, you know. Pharrell was like that. He could do, he could make rock music and make pop music and make funk music and make hip-hop. And it was just like, you know, or like Andre Benjamin. Like when The Love Below came out, that was like one of the dopest records of all time. I totally feel you on that. And it's like he has he has like John Coltrane on that album. I think my, my favorite my favorite things is like on and you know what I mean. And then like a rock song and then Nora Jones. It's like it's all over the place, but it makes sense because it's all coming out of soul. And I think um, yeah, that's kind of the common denominator. Like when you're coming like from playing music from the heart and it's coming out of that tradition of soul, um, you know, which is really just blues and blues is stemming from. Uh, you know, spirituals and spirituals stemming from slave songs and work songs and work songs stemming from after. You know, when the, when you're you're connected to that root, it's just it all makes sense. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's kind of how I think of it. You better you know? go deep, Braxton. Go deep. That's a really good answer. I mean, you're right. We always like to define each other, whether music or not. So I think that's good that you're just like, look, my music is organically me. And yeah, it is it's what it Bryce is. Cook right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, when did you start taking music seriously? Yeah, I say I would say um, it's probably like at the end of eighth grade. Um, yeah, around like the end of eighth grade, there was like a master class that um, some of like the local high schoolers from North Springs actually <laughs> came to my, my middle school in Sandy Springs in middle school and did a little master class and kind of seeing some younger faces playing instruments and playing jazz. That's probably like one of the first times I saw that. So I must have been 14. And they were playing like Charlie Parker, some of those high school students. And that was a guy that, that was one of the first seeds of like, you know, jazz, you know. At that point, all you know, all you know is like, I don't know, like Kirk Whalum, Kitty G, and then like I knew obviously uh, Grover Washington, it was amazing. Um, but I had to, I, and not until 14, 15 that I really started delving into like the guys that pioneer jazz, like, um, you know, Louis Armstrong, Joe John Coltrane, Duke Ellington, and, and, and Charlie Parker, particularly cats on my instrument, alto saxophone. So uh, as soon as I got to high school, um, I then got my family relocated from Atlanta and now to Maryland. And then um, I picked up, you know, I started focusing way more on the saxophone. And I really wanted to get a teacher. So I found a teacher at a local music shop called Dale Music, this guy, Morgan Russell. And he was super dope. I studied with him. And then in that same year, Wynton Marsalis came to my high school, who's like one of the biggest jazz trumpet, trumpet players um, on the modern, you know, in the past 50 years. And, you know, Wynton, um, he gave this master class and it was incredible. And and he kind of singled me out, had me like take a solo, had me play with him back and forth. Like we were just kind of like improvising and jamming together. And it was like a really big deal that he came out of school. I'll never forget, it was just like every news publication in DC was there. It was like Washington Post. Um, so it was like a really big deal and like a bunch of schools busted into this assembly 
And he really dug my plan. It was like, man, you sound good, man, blah, blah, blah. And like, was, you know, kind of really encouraging me. And it was kind of at that point, uh, like 15 years old, where I was like, man, maybe I have a shot at this thing. And I started really getting serious about practicing and taking my private lessons serious. At that point, then I, I switched teachers from Morgan to now Paul Carr, who ended up really pushing me to that next level where I just, he was like, yo, you need to stop practicing five hours a day. Like, you know, hell, eight, ten hours a day on the weekends. Like, that's what you need to be doing. And that's kind of what I did. So, like, for the rest of the high school, I was just, like, constantly practicing. I didn't really do anything else. I was just like, I just got good grades and I practiced. I didn't really party. And I didn't go to prom. I didn't do none of that. I was just like... <laughs> crazy about it just practicing a lot but it changed my life you know and um it just got me from like you know just being in maryland like not really knowing exactly what i wanted to do to like you know end up going to juilliard and, and meeting all these amazing musicians and that could take me all around the world and you know now i've been to go around the world with my own band and just like yeah just like it's like little things like that sometimes that happen when you're 15 that just like spark a fire that's dope. That's really dope. Um, for those who are not familiar with mm-hmm. Sandy Springs or North Springs, that's an area um, in the in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area. So those who aren't familiar. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But he's also lived in Maryland. Where else have you lived? Um, right. I guess so. In Maryland, yeah. I grew up in Prince George's County in Greenville, and and then um, the like you said, yeah, I moved to Atlanta, and then after middle school in Atlanta then moved back to Maryland but to a different part in Montgomery County that's where I did high school then after that I ended up going to Georgetown University in DC um, where I was just like studying English and playing you know a lot kind of like really getting my stuff together before I matriculated to Juilliard in New York and then um, I got to New York like 2012 something like that and I've been yeah I've been living in either Lincoln Center in the dorms at Juilliard, and now I live in Harlem. I've been in Harlem now a good four years, so I love Harlem. Harlem has is, is got a thing. It's really dope. And um, I think that's it. I guess I was born in Boston, so I guess I don't really count that. It was like a few months of my life, but that's about everywhere. Do you think that your environment influenced your style, or do you think it was just more so your household and where you grew up? Or your influence, mm-hmm. I should say. I think, yeah, totally, actually. Um, it's obviously a combination of the both, you know, my household. <laughs> like, my parents are from Mississippi, and, you know, uh, there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of soul that kind of comes with that, you know, and and they just really push the old school stuff on us. Meanwhile, like, you obviously grew up with 90s R&B and, and, and you know, and, MTV, you know, everything else there, you know, everything that's like on the radio and on television at the time. We grew up with all of that stuff in the house. Um, but our parents just really enforced, or not enforced, but just like really were making sure that like when we're in the car, they're just playing like every great gospel record, whether it's like CC One and BB One and Fred Hammond and Kirk Franklin, you know what I'm saying? And then like my dad is blasting Otis Redding and Marvin Gaye. And like, you know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. they made sure while we're like, you know, in our formative years that we're hearing like real instruments and we're hearing like real good music. Um, Cause they know we're gonna like with our friends, of course they have, yeah, we were listening to like, to, to Pac and Biggie and we're listening to like, I mean, we were, we were huge Bone Thugs and Harmony fans and stuff like, and, and, and 112 and Faith Evans, you know, like we, we loved all that stuff, but they knew we were gonna already get that from our peers. So it was a matter of them like kind of cultivating that experience for us in the house. Um, which I'm super grateful for. Had they not, like, I don't, you know, I don't know if we'd all be playing instruments or if we could all play piano, you know. I think that's just, like, that's a blessing, you know. And I think it was something they definitely thought about. So our parents definitely played a big part of that. But um, I do think that moving um, in all these different areas, living in New York, Maryland, D.C., Atlanta, like, all helped to shape my music for sure. Like, it's just given me a more, it's helped me just be more relatable because I just, have been in different experiences and with different people. Some private schools, some you know, some private colleges, some private schools, some public schools, some public colleges, some conservatories. You know, it's like, and it's like those are all very different people. Um, 
And at the same time, I feel like all that moving kind of made me a little more um, attached to the music too, just because of all the having to start over with my friend group so many, so many times. So in that way, it kind of made me, I think, a little bit more serious because it was like <laughs> me and my, you know, like me, my brothers, and my saxophone. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Every four years, you're like, oh, cool, new friends. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Starting over, and it's like, I don't know. <laughs> Like not to be all sappy about it, but you know that kind of like yeah that 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 shapes you a little bit, you know. It's, it definitely shapes you. Like it makes you just more perceptive of, of different people and how to fit in different different crowds because you get forced to. I understand completely. Um, my and, dad was and musically too. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh no, no. I was saying I was that was it. It was like it, that was the same. It, musically, it goes hand in hand with playing different styles. It's the same kind of. I asked that question because I actually moved every four years as well. My dad was military, so I was used to having to, I bond with friends, and it's like, I love you. Okay, I got to move. Okay, my name's Maria. Nice to meet you. New group of friends. Four years later, I love you. Oh, I got to move. So, and then with the music, from going Mm -hmm. to, like, Hawaii to, you know, being from Georgia, moving back to Georgia, living in Texas, living in California... I was exposed to a lot of different types of music that, you know, most people that before the Internet, obviously, was so big and could spread different kinds of music. Those that would kind of be stuck in their own environment wouldn't probably be open to hearing. So I just thought that was that's kind of exactly interesting. I, thought, yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly what was going on. I didn't know you, your, your pop was in the military. Yeah, he was in the Army. We moved around every like like clockwork every four years. And it was like, dang, I gotta move again. Like, I, I, these are my best that, friends. I think, that, I think that's tough. And it really was. I'm not gonna lie. And I have a fond like place in my heart for Atlanta and that period of my life. And that period of Atlanta too, like just how lit it was between the years of 2000, 2005, how much good music was coming out. Yes. Like, and particularly like when I'm just finding music and, and saxophone. You know what I mean? It was like, it was something about that time. It was crazy. It was magical indeed. It was. I miss, it, was it really was. I, I, I miss it. I'm going to write a project for you, Atlanta, for that period. Hey, that's what's up. Yeah, I'm going to write something for that period because it's just like, ugh, man. All those influences like still shape me. I told you, Love Below came out like 03 or something like that. It sure I did. Like, what? I was like, what is this? <laughs> it was life. Crazy. I was the same it way. Was it was life. Yeah, it was. It was a mm-hmm. lot of good stuff that came out. We gotta talk about that later, cause I know I can yeah. I can like go on the strength of just Atlanta alone growing up crunk. That's what I call it, growing up crunk, cause <laughs> it's true though. It's that's so what it was. True. It was before Atlanta got super like internationally like renowned for being like this like capital of like the you know rap and stuff like that. And before mm-hmm. all the reality shows, and Atlanta still had like they were kind of like on the come up still, but they were like bubbling. Yep. It was definitely a magical time. I feel you with that. Like, 110%. Beautiful time. Yeah. <laughs> but, going no, back, go ahead. you said, okay, so we go from Boston, Atlanta, Maryland, um, D.C., New York, Juilliard. So, what happens after you graduate Juilliard? Like, did you, did you yeah. ever do any gigs and go to school? Or was it, like, strictly school there? Or what? Yeah, when I got to Juilliard, first year, obviously, you know, it was it was, it was, it was real. It was just like a transition. Like New York is expensive as hell, you know. And it was, uh, you know, Juilliard was it was they were really really. I was really really grateful for like the scholarship. You know, they they paid for everything. Um, oh wow, that's great. Yes, no, Juilliard is that was that was dope. They're dope. It was dope in that regard, and. Um, and just being in, in in New York was like it's another magical city in a different way. It's got a different kind of thing, but um, it's just so much going on and so many people that and opportunities constantly crossing you know in front of you. And I just happened to be in one of these spaces my first year in New York, uh, where I went to go see a show at this venue called Symphony Space on Ninety Sixth Street. It was the Donald Harrison show. Donald Harrison is a very you know popping. Uh, saxophonist from the day you know he used to play with art blakey and stuff and his nephew christian scott was featured on the bill 
So I, I went to go see the show, and my homeboys from, um, I think they're, they're from New Orleans, uh, they invited me to the show. They were like, yo, I got an extra ticket. You trying to come? I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. I'll come with them. So I ran to the club, uh, ran to the venue, picked up the ticket, and uh, we'll call you know, go check out the show. And they were like, hey, man, we all know Christian and, and, and Donald. They're from New Orleans and stuff. Let's go backstage. I was like, all right, cool. I'll roll with y'all. Go backstage. We're just chilling, chopping it up. I'm like, eating. I'm eating their stuff. I'm eating their like fruity stuff in backstage, you know, chilling. And, 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 and I'm not really saying much. I'm just like checking checking everything out. And um, I'll never forget, man. Christian kind of came up to me. Chum player. And me and the time not realizing, you know, really who he, who he was or, or how that how big he was, which probably contributed to why he liked me in the first place. Because I, I didn't come at him on some like, hey, man, get my mixtape, get my CD type shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just like, hey, what's up, bro? And um, we just kind of hit it off, you know? And he was like, man, you kind of look like family, blah, blah, blah. And then brought me over to his uncle Donald. was like, yo, Donald, don't you look like family? Where your family from? I was like, Mississippi. He was like, oh, man, we... We probably related. Who knows? You know, we yeah. were on this whole thing, right? With this, like, oh, you need an American book. You know, that whole thing, right? And I'm like, before I know it, you know, he was like, bro, you mad cool, man. Um, I could tell you could play. Like, you go to Juilliard? I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, man, I got to get your information. So he sent information. And uh, maybe six months after that, he called me for a TV show in L.A. Um, I, I, it was a pilot. I don't think the show ever got picked up. But um, it was a show called The Eddie, and it was this dude that was creating it. His name was Glenn Ballard. So Glenn Ballard is this dope, you know, songwriter and producer. He made like Man in the Mirror for Michael Jackson. Oh. This dude's hella big, and he was like, "Oh yeah, we'll fly you guys out." So we flew out there. We recorded a bunch of music, hanging out at this crib in L.A. And after like actually playing with Christian, because mind you, he called me and had never heard me. He just liked me. called me for this gig, and uh, you know after. Playing with him, he was like, "Bro, I gotta, I gotta get you in the band." Like, and he just after that, you know, sent me his manager sent me like his itinerary for the next few tours, and that was it. So like my sophomore year, I'm like touring like around the world with this dude, you know, trying to juggle school at the same time. Um, so I'm missing a lot of class and missing performances and trying to get out of rehearsals and all this stuff. And, um, just taught me a lot. Like it was, it was, it was an amazing experience, you know. Learning how to deal with like school, juggling that um, with professional, you know, engagements that I had, and then just seeing the world for the first time. It was just like all hitting me at once. It was an incredible experience. You know, I couldn't have had, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's one of those stories you just like, that you, you know, people write about or whatever, and it's like, oh wow, this, this is like real happening right now. I just happened to walk backstage, and this dude's like, yo, let me get your number. Like, world, you know, and mind you, Christian Scott is. You know, one of the most popular, like, 30-year-old is uh, trumpet players in the, in the world, in the jazz world. And, you know, like, nominated for Grammys, played with uh, Prince for years, played with, like, um, tour with Mike Marcus Miller, um, The Roots, uh, Radiohead. Um, yeah, Christian was, Christian Christian been doing this thing for a minute. And it was just, like, I don't know, stars aligned. So that's kind of, like, the first working gig I had all throughout Juilliard and even like after Juilliard, you know, my last couple of years, like the last two years of my life, I've been out of school. And um, now this is like the longest answer ever, by the way. But anyways, <laughs> and then now uh, to answer your question, finally, when I um, in the past like year and a half, I say I've really been now weaning off of playing with Christian's group. Um, to afford myself more time to focus on my own project and my own, you know, because uh, at some point, you know, you literally got to make that leap between like, all right, do you want to be playing for these other people or do you want to like, you know, maybe take that pay cut, make some time for yourself to devise a plan and come up with your own thing so that you can be that, you know, that dude so you can get your thing out here, get your music out here, you know, um, and also just like, create opportunities for yourself and that's kind of what this album has been for me and it was definitely a huge leap before like I think I would say 2015 was my last year really touring with Christian and I must have toured seven months that year meanwhile you know you know I have a girlfriend whom I've been dating for four years and at that point that was like the most we've been apart and that put a real 
you know, it was just like a very, it was a tumultuous, not tumultuous, not the word, but it was just like a tough time where I'm just like, I have all this music that I'm writing and want to work on it and like put, you know, put out, um, you know, when I'm still torn with him because I, you know, I need the bread, blah, 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 so I can fund this. But then also like, you know, my girlfriend who was at home was just like, all right, you're never here, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just, you know, really trying to figure that out. And it really wasn't until 2016 when I'm just like, all right, I got to take that cut and just focus on my own thing. Everything started falling into place. You know what I mean? Uh, it was, and I, you know, I prayed on that. And it was just everything really, really came together. Like at home, you know, our relationship, me and my girls, everything just got way better and way more supportive, and just like started flowing. My music's out, you know, so like everything, you know, because I just really started investing in and, and working on myself. So I put the project. I, I guess I recorded the project 2016, and then. You know, a year later, come April, we we put out the project, and it's just been nothing but blessings, you know? Like I said, we'll be we'll be in Europe this year and, and touring um, East Coast and West Coast this summer and doing some stuff. So like, I was really excited. It's, 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 it's been a blessing, you know? um, That's dope. It seems like everything worked out, which is good. But um, I want to go back to when you were talking about being at Juilliard and then touring. Yeah. Did, did you ever entertain the idea of leaving school? To gig full time? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm not even gonna front. Like Juilliard gave me some of the, it, like the hardest time missing missing class and missing school. You know, I felt like the program. That's just funny. I'm drinking out of a Juilliard mug right now. Um, uh, so yeah, like I feel like the program is supposed to be created to create you know that for us musicians and artists that have opportunities like these right like that's the point we go here so we can like hopefully a dancer can get work at a dance company and then an actor can get hired in this film or tv show or on state theater and like you know and musicians can go on tour and like make money like i thought this is what what we're here for right and you know like i felt like i was just hitting like barrier after barrier and my second or third year, yeah, I was definitely contemplating. I was like, man, I'm making money. Um, this is why I came to New York and Julia in the first place was to get these opportunities. And I'm like, and now y'all telling me I can't, especially when I moved out and like I started having like real bills. I was like, this don't make any sense. I definitely contemplated that. And that's got a lot of, that's where um, that, that song on my album, FJYD, stands for. So that tune, FJYD, actually stands for. Uh, JYD is, is like, it's just abbreviated for Juilliard. We used to call Juilliard Jail Yard. <laughs> no, really? It's fucked up. But yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Because <laughs> I know it sounds wild. People are like, I thought it was amazing. I saw that movie Save the Last Dance. And I thought, like, Juilliard was like, I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah it's cool. But once you're in it, it's like, bro, it's so many hours. I almost had 20 something credits. Like, you just don't do anything with that. And. And not even is it not anything but that like it's it's um, it's what and, and and whether they're really fostering creativity and individuality in a creative way it's like nah I, I felt like and this might just be music school in general like they might I feel like they're just creating kind of like robots to and what I mean is that like it's people that can play on a very high technical level but aren't really developing the creative side and creating something new like out in the world. And as a result, it is creating creating more people that, that are going to come back into the the world of academia and just teach, you know, as opposed to performers and artists and people out here, you know, to like really change it. That whole kind of thing. That's where that song FJYT came out of. So, yeah, that, it stands for Fuck Juilliard. <laughs> and I was like, this is, yeah, this is how I felt. <laughs> I felt it when I was there and like even on my way out, now I'm out. It's like, yeah, definitely got a lot out of it. You know, it's. Things aren't black and white, you know. I'm not like I said. It's like I got a lot of great things out of it. At the same time, I think there's some things they could fix, just in general, just with like how they go about teaching music and preparing people for the real world of things. I think they got backwards. A lot of schools, but anyways. <laughs> no, that's interesting. You said that, and this is the first time I've ever heard of this kind of issue on creative side. Normally, for those of us who do the typical go to high school, go to college, work a job, we think that's a rat race. But it's interesting to hear you say that there's the rat race on the creative side, because most people wouldn't that's know that. That's blown me, yeah, because I left that at Georgetown, too. I was, I was at a normal school, like, 
And when I transferred, I was like, that's crazy. It's the same thing. That's when I was like, this, it's the institution. It's, it's it, you know, it, it's, and, and, and a music that, like jazz, especially, that's like about freedom and expression and really like resistance to those forces. And a lot of, you know what I mean? Like John Coltrane's music and a lot of this music that was pioneered by black artists and black geniuses that were really about dealing with social and political issues of, the, of their time. It's crazy that, that that music is being housed in an institution right there at Lincoln Center that feels like the exact opposite antithesis to that. That's how I felt. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. We play freedom music and don't none of this feel free. <laughs> Does that make, you know? Yeah, it's irony, like a mug. Yeah, I was like, nah. And it was making, it was like, you know, just making me second guess a lot of things and affected my spirit musically. And I was like, nah, I'm not gonna have somebody, you know, dim my light. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely thought about leaving. But I got through with people, you know, I had a lot of support. Yeah, it was dark. Oh, man. I'm dark that last, like, that last couple of years, but we out here now. There's always life at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, but you gotta be real. I mean, I was being real. Um, mm-hmm. The new project is called Somewhere in Between. Yeah. And I was going to ask what the significance was of that, excuse me, significance of the title, but it sounds like you kind of explained it. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's ever evolving. It seems like when I initially made it, I literally was like making a project that was like, a, yeah, between these genres, genreless. And it's, it's becoming, it's, it's starting to just mean other things for other people I've noticed, you know? Um, like, on the technical side, I, li- I, I this is my third project, my first full album, right? And I re- this project is kind of written and produced, like literally between the last two the last two projects I did. One is called Sketch, which is more of a like straight ahead kind of song, a uh, straight ahead kind of album. And this is where it's like a typical quartet instrumentation, you know, bass, drums, piano, sax, and it just sounds like very modern jazz and then the second project was this funk project i did with my this this band down in virginia called butcher brown that project called grass and cook meets butcher brown and then i kind of took um compositions from both and revisited and kind of um took kind of uh, i took like a the production style of like the butcher brown project which had a lot of like compression and a lot of like you know there's just a lot of production techniques that came out of the 70s that, and, and that we used on this project somewhere in between. And then we also took some of the production qualities, um, you know, that we used like a more and so on the saxophone from the first project and kind of blended the two. Um, so literally, like sonically, it sounds, you know, somewhere in between the last two projects. Um, but even, even like, uh, I forgot who was that, who that was that told me that, um, I think it was, Babe, who was that was telling me about the trans, the transgender? Was, was that Sarah's? Okay, I forgot who it was. But uh, yeah, I have a friend who was like, who um, had a friend that was uh, transitioning, right? And felt like that the the song and the album really spoke to her transitioning between genders, right? She's transsexual. Or trans, yeah. And I was just like, that's that's wild, you know. She had a transgender friend, and. The album spoke to her in that way, you know. That's deep, right? That is very like, deep. That's definitely something I wasn't, you know, I wasn't even thinking about when I made it. But I think that's what's so cool about art sometimes that it can just be interpreted and received in so many different ways, and you just never know where someone's at. Um, so that's exciting. That's cool, you know. That's very dope, especially with the. Um, you're right about the interpretation, especially with something as serious as you know being who you really deep down feel that you you know that you are especially with um transitioning that's that's a really big deal right i was like i was really floored by that (laughs) my god that's heavy so you know it's it's um that's that's really cool to see just how how it's evolving and that the meaning is evolving and um it's beyond just the the topical things of like, like, like genre. So what do you want your listeners to understand most about this project though? Like if you play through it, like what is one thing that you just hope 
someone takes from it that you would really want to communicate? I think mostly like just uh, the album, like a lot of the songs are really about love, you know. And I think there's that spirit, that energy there, you know, that I that I hope connects with people. Um, just the spirit of like positivity, and 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 turning out, you know, however, however you're feeling, and, and turning that around into something that's that's joyous, you know. Even my song is about Trayvon Martin. Um, you know, I feel like in the way that I want to, I wanted to to write it and perform it is. You know, there's still a, a joyous and buoyant kind of feeling to it that just honors their life, you know, and that love. And I think um, that's how I, just, I want people to feel, <laughs> you know, when they hear it, just uplifting and feel inspired, you know, to take that, that you know, particularly that the, the title track, yeah, to take that leap and believe in yourself and following your own light, you know, following that path. It's a reminder for myself too. If he's on my hair, like keep going. <laughs> That's very dope. I feel like you're you must be really good at these interviews. I feel like some of the questions I wanted to ask, like you already are kind of covering the bases with them. I was <laughs> gonna ask energetically where you were. You already answered that. And you know, were there other ways that you worked through being in such a it sounds like you were uncertain, like it was kind of like, or stressed, or it sounds like it was a lot of pressure, really. Yeah. How did you work through that other than musically? Were there other outlets that you had? Yeah, I think my, my girlfriend, <laughs> she, she, yeah, my girlfriend Shay is incredible. And she helped me through a lot of, a lot of the songs are about her. Cause that was my life, you know, for the past couple of years. Oh. And um, she definitely helped me through a lot of that, through those decisions. Like, she, um, it was just good to have a partner in life, you know. She's that who can give you that honest assessment of like what you're doing right now, whether it makes sense. She'll be, she'll totally be that for me. Like, why are you doing this gig? You're just stressing yourself out. Be like, true. <laughs> She's like, that's Solange gig? That's a good idea. You should do that. All right, all right, Joe. You know, like, I don't know. Like, um, she's just like, yeah, those, like, my glass is almost just giving me that clear vision. Like, just, like, that focus. Um, so that really helped me get through a lot of any of that second guessing that's natural. Love is always a beautiful thing in all forms, yeah. whether romantic, like self-love, universal love. Exactly. That's so. exactly it. That's exactly it. You're, you're lit. That's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, so now that the project is out, it's, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. still relatively new. I mean, it's been barely two months, right? Right. So now that it's released, what space are you in now? It's two things on the creative side like I've already written another like couple albums since January of music on the business side though related to this project yeah the touring business right now um, is definitely gonna help one keep momentum going two like just keep bringing in money and then two, like three just building more fans you know the live experiences definitely for me as a performance saxophonist and, like the live show is even more you know even more lit than the album, so what's that Miles Davis quote? Like the album is just advertisement for the live show. That's a good quote. Ooh, that's good. But yeah, you know, it's like that's what I'm focusing on right now. And after and after beat me, I was just telling someone else, after seeing that salon show and being a part of that, watching her production and how on point she is with everything, her look, the, the everything, the, the moves, the dance, the music, it's just all perfect carefully thought out it was just hella inspiring i was like i want to up the level bro like up the game you know yeah <laughs> like not just play well but like make it look good too so i, I want to figure that stuff out and just, just get everything better <laughs> you know what i mean like i want to get the show to, together and get that lit um and then uh in addition to the to the touring it's like we're, we're doing we have some remixes that are planned uh to come out some more upbeat version summary kind of fun versions of some of the songs. Uh, we have like a, uh, Pell, you know, I don't know if you know this artist, Pell. He's from New Orleans, he's really cool. And, and 
gonna feature him on the track on a remix. Um, yeah, stuff like that. You know, keep keep promoting the project. We got merch coming out soon. I'm working on a t-shirt. Uh, and hopefully we're in the city near you soon. Yeah, hopefully we're in Atlanta soon. <laughs> you can go back to North Springs or something. Exactly. And get back to exactly. what was that? Fulton, the Cal County, Fulton County. Yo. God. That's East Side, guys. Hostelina. Hostelina. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, that's crazy. I'm glad you brought a remix in. Since you define your music as undefinable, which is cool. Mm-hmm. With, and I hate to even bring it to a jazz versus trap, because that's not what I mean. But, like, how do you feel about other people remixing your songs and throwing like 808s and, and stuff like are you cool with like just all kind of remixes or like how do you feel about that right i mean i, I think if it sounds if it sounds good it's cool like <laughs> you know if it doesn't make sense and doesn't sound good or like natural then i'm i'm not really with it pretty much if it sounds good it's probably cool i don't have any qualms <laughs> about about a yeah trap music or blending the two that's cool you know um, I just, yeah, I just wanted to sound good, and 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 I do want there to be some. Sorry to add to that, I do want there to be some level of authenticity too. So like, um, and what I mean by that is, like, if I don't really make hood music, then like, and and the song isn't really calling for that, then maybe I wouldn't go that direction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it just depends. It depends what the song, like, which song it is and what it's about. Um, yeah, I hope I answer your question. <laughs> All right, so. All these remixers out there, if y'all trying to remix a Braxton Cook song, make sure you have some authenticity. Make sure you don't have, make sure it's not trash, basically. That's what it sounds like to me. Make sure it's not trash at the end of the day. Make sure it makes sense, right? That's exactly, that's exactly it. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly it. (laughs) All right, bet. So for those who are kind of somewhere in between, you know, like what advice would you give them to get them out of that space? I don't know. Like, I feel like it's so wild. I swear, I feel like we all have, we all have the answers and we all have the context and we all have the plugs that we probably want. And we're just not making that leap. And I was just saying, like, you need to just do it. Like, there's probably someone in your phone right now. I know we all, you know, like in your phone context, that could probably change your life that you just haven't called or texted or like connected with. To be like, yo, I have this song, or I have, the, or, or, or I have this idea, or I have this. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, like we have those lifelines. It's like, what are you waiting on? You know, like, like do it. <laughs> like, why are you still sitting in the same situation that you already know you're not happy in? It's like, you gotta make that move. I literally, like, yeah, like I said, like when I'm leaving Christian's band, like I had to cut my income completely in half. That's real. Like it was just like, okay, not making nothing right now. But then the opportunities that opened up from taking that risk and, and, and investing in myself, you know, changed everything. Now we back. And, like, I have control over when I want to work. Not when someone calls me. It sounds know? like you're empowered. Exactly. You empowered yourself because you took that risk. And I think, yeah, it's like, make that leap, you know. And things will definitely, at that sway, like, you start putting that energy into your own thing. You just start you just start creating a space for yourself in the universe. Things just start coming. You know, can't explain it. It's like oh, I know. We're not there before. I don't know anyone else that it was like playing jazz and singing and doing stuff like that, and then do you know and like and these other things that were, two years ago I wouldn't even have thought, but now it's there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm sure like everyone who's done some stuff for themselves. It's like they created a, a lane from just like a small idea and just investing in it, and it created a space, a lane. I hope I'm not speaking gibberish, but I really no, believe in that. That's that's actually what the podcast is about. So that gibberish is perfect for me. We call that manifestation. Most of us call that manifestation. Oh. So that's really dope. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. How important is self-expression? The most. I still work on that. Not by the, like, not by the myself. It depends on who you are, but like. Yeah, I'm definitely one, like I said, like I walked in that room when I met Christian, I was just like quiet, you know, it's like there are some times when you do need to speak up and it's just, yeah, it's just knowing when and doing it. Like, I, so I think um, 
self-expression is, is definitely very important. Um, I think, I mean, as an artist, it's, it's everything. That's, you know what I mean? That's who you are. If anything, you got to be a little bit more amplified, you know, a little bit more amped up, a little bit more, you know, a little bit more this, a little bit more radical, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, if anything, as an artist, I think that's like, that's important. Speaking of self-expression, um, you know, artists have platforms, obviously, through their music mm-hmm. to communicate mm-hmm. and spread messages. And even with social media, um, everyone has their own little platform, you know, as well to you know say whatever's on their mind or how they feel. How important do you feel for it is for people to utilize their platforms? Oh, man, I, yeah, I've had some arguments with people about this for sure. Like, I used to feel like when you are biggest like Beyonce and Jay-Z like you have to speak up on social issues like this is that's your job you know I I really used to yeah I used to I really feel that way I guess I still do I just understand that there are some people that that don't there are some people that just don't feel strongly about anything in those matters and you know in social matters and that's and that's unfortunate you know because I feel like there's so much they could do with their pull, you know? There's so much, like, they could shape culture by saying the right things and move things in the right direction. Yeah, some people aren't the best with words, you know? That's cool. You don't have to be on Twitter, like, or Facebook writing paragraphs and, like, just do something. Yeah. You know? Write a song for this person like that. Put some money, like, push your money with your mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you give your time. You're at this foundation, like, donating time here or whatever. Speaking of that, utilizing the art, do you ever or have you ever done a master class the same way Mr. Marcellus did at your school? Would you be open to that idea? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, I did do this. There's this program called Jazz for Young People that went and Marcellus kind of runs. And he has several different groups that go out to, to schools throughout New York City and, and give a little master class hour, not 45 minute performance and, and teach and, and teach like the very basic like ideas of jazz and, and improvisation. And each one is kind of connected to a theme. So it could be jazz and civil rights or jazz and like, um, you know, uh, jazz and, and, and democracy and, and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've, I've been a part of that group uh, for the past couple of years. And that's been really cool. Um, but just teaching young kids about jazz and like and its connection to social issues and in a very succinct kind of way that makes it fun and interactive. I think that's that's been great. Uh, I'd like to do that more with my own group, you know, because um, like I said, yeah, like my yeah, seeing a young person doing it was one of the first things that made me be like, oh wow, that's cool, I could do that, you know? Yeah. Seeing some kid in jeans playing saxophone, killing it. I was like, oh, that's dope. When I, saw, when I saw it at 13, it worked, so. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. Sure people was like, oh, wow. You know, even when they're, like, on their phones, they're probably, they're, they're paying attention low-key. And, um, yeah, I definitely, to answer your question, I, 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 do, I do master classes um, every once in a while. I've done some by myself. Uh, just, like, you know, talk, like, literally what I'm doing right now, telling my life story and, and talking about music business and other things like that. I've traveled around and done a few master classes. So yeah, all different types. Some some with the band, some by myself, and some with other organizations. But I think they're invaluable. You just never know who you'll inspire. I was in that room. Who they'll be. I totally agree with you. I don't remember if um, you remember Man Baby from Kiss 104 out here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Well, he's... I think he's on 107.5 for those who are in Atlanta. But I remember being in the ninth grade at Southwest DeKalb High School. And I remember he came in for my career day. And I always wanted to do some kind of radio something, right? And I was too scared because I didn't want to be like out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember he came in. I knew his voice. I didn't know what he looked like, but I knew his voice. And he was just mm-hmm. talking. And I was just kind of sitting there. And I was like, yo, one day, one day I'm going to do that. And... I kind of, it took me a while to kind of come around to it, but every time I like do a show, I kind of think of Simon. It's like, yo, like that's hella dope. Like he inspired me so many years ago and yeah. now I kind of have my own thing. So I totally feel you with that. Okay. 
top three songs ever. Dang, you know, I gotta say something from the love below. Um, I'm not gonna pick Prozac because I've heard it not too much, but I'm gonna go with She Lives Black. I love that song. Yes, yes. She <laughs> That song is fire. Um, let me see. Oh, Lord, I gotta go with, uh, I'm gonna go with the Prince one. I'm gonna go with Adore. Okay. Okay. Yeah, from Sound of the Times. Mm-hmm. And then, oh my gosh, this is so hard. <laughs> I want to pick a female artist. Prince is like in between. That's messed up. <laughs> but, uh, um, I'm just looking at all these records on my wall. I got like Michael up here. I'm like, oh my God, how can I not pick a This is so hard. All right. All right, fuck it. No, I'm about to pick a jazz song, and then I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with "Resolution" by John Coltrane. Yes, I did it. Cause I I can't pick another soul song. I'm just like, nah, jeez. There's so many. That question, that's not even fair. Okay, that's okay, one that you okay. Gotta send me for sure. I'll give you two more, two more songs. Right. Okay. I wanna go with uh. I want to go with like Stevie or Ribbon in the Sky on Lately. Uh, I want to go with, I'm going to go with like a What's Going On. My Marvin Gaye? We got to pick something for the one soul for at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he's saying some real, yeah, he's saying some real shit that ain't changed in 40 years. Let me write yeah. that song. Okay, okay. So we got five. Now. And we're like all soul songs. <laughs> I was about to say, I mean, you you kind of mentioned. I the love that's where I grew up on. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. it seems like soul's been a big part of your court, yeah. your experience. Definitely. I totally relate to you on that because my dad has an Akai Real to Real. I don't know if you know about those. And a what? Oh, Real to Real. Okay, yeah. I thought it you was, said, like, for real, for real. I was like, okay. <laughs> You're like, oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, next like, question. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it was an Akai Real to Real. And okay. I know, like, I used to listen to. Michael Jackson, Phyllis Hyman. Um, I used yes. to look at his records. I, used to, I learned how to read on his liner notes. Like I tell people that and I think they think it's like a cute story, but like I'm dead ass serious to the point where I used to spell flight with a Y because of flight time. Because wow. of flight time production. So I used to really be that girl. Like there's pictures of me like next to my dad's records reading, like reading Janet Jackson's Control or reading Babyface's oh Tender God. Lover. Oh. Or God. New Editions, Any Heartbreak, or um, what was one that he liked? My dad likes all sorts of smooth jazz, but I'm trying to think of what jazz artist he likes the most. That generation, yeah. George Benson. Too. He loved George Benson. Um, George Benson fire. Um, yes. I'm trying to think. Like, he's more of a, like, Roy Ayers. Like, man, like, yeah. a lot of stuff. Like, I, I feel you with the whole growing up on so like completely like I, I mean that's how I grew up on it like learning how to read and kind of learning who was kind of behind some of the stuff and yeah liner notes are everything dope like I'm, I'm one of those nerds I read the liner notes so shout out to those who read the liner notes still who kind of exactly you know Apple Music is cool but out, like by the physical read the liner notes exactly I kind of miss the physical releases being you know being a thing you know it's not really as popular because we have streaming uh -huh. and things like that but I kind of miss having a physical release. I know. I'm going to get some vinyls. You, you're getting vinyls of what? Of your album? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's dope. Okay, okay. So how can people order those? It'll probably be on Bandcamp, and it'll go through the label. What's the label's name? It's, the label's called Fresh Selects, but you just got to look up Braxton Cook. Yeah, Bra go to, um, yeah you just got to look up like Braxton Cook when you go to Bandcamp.com. And then somewhere in between will come up and like we'll have we'll have uh, vinyl. I'm sure vinyl will be available soon. So pretty much all the record sales are going towards the vinyl pressing because well, pressing vinyl is hell expensive. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. Okay, you know what? So for those who are listening, right? I want to do a giveaway. I will buy you a physical copy of somewhere in between because I I want this on vinyl. Damn it. So 
I will announce when this interview airs how to win. More likely, it'll be on Instagram. So y'all pay very close attention because the winner or the answer, I should say, of what I'm looking for is going to come from this interview. So I hope you guys have been listening. I'm just doing it off the cuff. Like I just, I'm just feeling it today. And yeah. I really want my vinyl copy because I like vinyl. I just bought that Moonchild last weekend Ooh. on vinyl. So yeah. I'm all for vinyl pressings all day. Yeah. So let's see. Okay. I'm a big person about vibes, right? I love vibes, especially with what I what I do with Spiritual Homegirl. I'm all about being able to balance the negative, the positive, the yin and the yang, the feminine and the masculine, right? So everyone has their something um, that they do to kind of mellow out and vibe out. And what do you do? Oh, um, oh, I, I have to, I have to watch like TV. I have to do something that's like to something that's just like like and not even like a documentary though. Like I have to watch like something dumb, a comedy, a movie. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I like to unwind. I know it's weird because like most people probably listen to music, but it's because because that's all I do. Literally, like you know, producing or writing and all this, you know, it's like always that part of my brain is like probably run, it's just jumping around. So I gotta watch something that's just like, you know, almost chill, mindless TV, something funny to actually unwind. And um, and I probably yeah, and a beer. Oh my god, yeah. You said a beer. And a beer, yeah. Like I know, I, it's like, it sounds so old. <laughs> and a beer, yeah, like and a and a beer, but like I actually, it's getting to that point. It's like I need coffee in the morning, or like I don't know who I am, and then I need like a beer at the end of the day after a long day. I have some friends who do music, and they swear by this coffee. I'm a tea person, so they always talk I about me. I should not be drinking coffee. I really shouldn't. Like, even if you're singing and singing too, like, it's not good. Like, I need to get on the tea. Well, there's hella places to start. You're right. But my friends, they swear I by coffee. Right now, I'm like Which one? Whitebus honey bush tea. That's not like a tea <laughs> This it's some Trader Joe's, but. Oh yeah, I know about it. I only said that because um, I'm really like familiar with Tia Vine. Next, we have a honey bush vanilla, but it's not a word. It's a herbal. But yeah, I'm definitely familiar with all kinds of tea. I'm a tea nerd on the low low, like white, black, green. Okay. Like, How do you like matcha tea? Huh? How do you like matcha? Yo, matcha gets you turned. Like, I know when we used to be <laughs> tired, we would take matcha shots. Yeah. All bad. It's real. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all good, but it's all bad. Like, I think the first time I ever did a matcha shot, and this is not with liquor, y'all. This is just with coconut milk, matcha, um, a little bit of beet sugar, and um, we shot that, and I was up to, like, I think 4.30 that morning. I could I was I mean, wired. Yeah. Where you get the shots from? You make them. I mean, you just heat up some coconut milk, because, I mean, you need hot water for the matcha. So you heat up the coconut milk, not to where it's boiling, but just to where it's warm. And then you go ahead and put in that matcha. I think it's normally a teaspoon for every eight ounces, if I remember correctly. If you have a frother, you can um, froth it in together or just stir it up really, really, really good. Like whiskey it really good because it's a powder. And you just shoot it up. Dang, I ain't got no frother, but that sounds dope. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a whiskey, you should be fine. You should be fine. Okay, okay. Because yeah, I, I didn't have a frother either. And, yeah. I know about the matcha shots. I think six years ago, that was six years ago. I was, I was like, damn, this is what no dose is like. I am cool off of this. <laughs> I don't want no parts. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that you, you do the opposite of, of, um, of some of us. I know for me, I listen to music to calm down or I just need complete silence because I, it's so much noise. But with you, you make so much noise when I say, you know, music, you know, that's you know, sound. You just want to watch TV. You need something audio and visual. And it has to be like on a really like, mm-hmm. like not safe, but. um. And, and typically something that's like, like I already know, I've already seen. That's the, it's weird. My mom is the same way. She'll like watch shows that she has seen so many times. Oh, it's comforting then. So it's like a comfort like, zone thing. Yep. Yeah, it's like I already know this journey is hilarious. I'm watching it again. 
I feel you. Like, you know, I don't, people have certain shows like that, like, for maybe The Office for somebody, it's like, they've watched the whole thing, like, four times. For me, it's like this show, like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, or, like, movies I've seen a million times coming to America, or, like, I don't know, like, I know every line, or I, I used to love Half-Baked. I don't know, like, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm tired. I'm about to watch this again and get a laugh and fall asleep. And I don't even, you know what I mean? Like, if it's yeah. something I haven't seen, then I'm going to want to stay up and, and like, watch it, you know? Like, see what's coming, happening next. But I'm watching something I've seen before. I'm like, this gets me comfortable. I don't know. I feel you. Oh, before I forget, I meant to ask you, while we were asking about songs, what is your dream collaboration? Oh, wow. Oh, man, I've always wanted to work with, like, Pharrell on a track. Another wanted, Aries? Like, ever since I heard, like, some, like those Neptune beats and stuff with, like, like that funky rock stuff, I was like, oh, my God, if I could get my band. I don't even know if he makes music like that anymore. Um, you remember, like, she... Like, he just make like it, it all this stuff. She like, wants to move. I think that she wants to move. move. She wants to move was fire. He used to make all types of good stuff. I want, yeah. Um, Pharrell. Now, after hearing like Gambino's last project, I would love to play with that. I mean, like anything that's like that funk soul stuff is like, but like, like still kind of forward thinking. Mm -hmm. I love that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, his project was fire. It really was. Like he really went for something, and it was killing. I'm just like, damn, I want to like wail on some saxophone and sing some soulful shit on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Who knows? Let's get in the studio with him. That'll be amazing. So y'all hear that? Oh, Let's put into that. existence a collaboration with Pharrell, a collaboration with Donald Glover, aka Charles Gambino, who's also from the East Side from Stone Mountain. I have to, I have exactly. to say that. Shout it out every time. Shout out to Stone yeah. Mountain. Shout out to the East Side of Atlanta. Shout out to oh, y'all. <laughs> For real, yeah. we have two representatives here. The uh -huh. Cal County in the house. Okay, all right. I have to, I have to get that out. I'm so sorry, y'all. But. No, I'm why you did. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so what's next for Braxton Cook at this point? Like, I'm about to be gone and, and come next week on, on tour. Where are you um, going? Uh, East Coast, mostly. And then we'll be, in, and I'll go to Chicago at the end of June. So, yeah, to make right now, it's just like, yeah, my band. Um, figuring out business for the next project. I'm recording on another project of uh, my own might be an EP and um, let me see oh, just last night I had a session with Logic so Logic is working on a new album oh snap and he may want to take us on the road so we'll see I mean that's 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 it that's plenty right now because I'm yeah but between touring and, and still playing as a side man with a few other people that's plenty because I gotta figure out the business on all the stuff and stuff but yeah Name one word that describes where you are in the journey right now, like where you are right now. Arise, rise, <laughs> rising. That's dope, that's dope. Okay, okay. All right, well, how can people get in touch with you? I mean, I'm really responsive on most of my social media because I'm just like anyone else, always glued to their phone. So hit <laughs> me on, on, yeah, on Instagram. So uh, it's just at Braxton Cook. Or rather, at Braxton underscore cook. <laughs> Someone took my whatever. And then, <laughs> or, or Twitter. Uh, and definitely Facebook, too. Uh, you know, I write back on, on all those things. And feel free to shoot me an email. I think my email's on my Instagram as well. So I'll get back to you. Yeah. Look at that. Braxton Cook for the people. I rock with that. That's dope. <laughs> Braxton, thank you so much for interviewing with me. I hella appreciate it. And that was my interview with Braxton Cook. He is an awesome being. I hope you all um, enjoyed it. I definitely did. Don't forget, once the episode airs, check my Instagram at spiritualhomegirl and you will find the contest on how to win a copy of his latest album, Somewhere In Between. So again, if you need to find me, you can do so on spiritualhomegirl.com. 
If you want to find me on Instagram again or Facebook, it's Spiritual Homegirl at Twitter at Spirit Homegirl. If you want to find Braxton Cook, you can definitely do so on Instagram at Braxton underscore Cook. Braxton is currently on tour promoting somewhere in between, so you can find him in a city near you um, domestically as well as internationally. He'll also be, uh, hell, he's going all over the world this time, so that's super exciting. I'm super happy for him, and I hope that he gets all that he desires. Um, He's super talented, and he definitely deserves it. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. Again, as I always say, there are tens of thousands of podcasts that are popping up all over the world, and you decide to give me your ears to listen to mine, and I really, really, really appreciate that, and I'm super grateful for you all, even if it's one person, or a thousand people, or a hundred people, or a million people, the love is still the same for me, I'm just super excited to be able to impact, or, you know, affect, or inspire one person, as long as I do that, then I feel like, you know, my job is done, and it's been a super fulfilling ride thus far, and Knowing that somebody listens out there makes me want to bring more perspectives and find more innovative ways to reach you guys and have different ideas. So, again, hella big love to y'all. Thank y'all hella much. But that is it. I didn't want to go too long. (laughs) My name is Maria. This has been an episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. And remember, trust the journey, trust yourself, love yourself, know yourself. You have personal power and you are important. And you can make a difference in the world as well. Peace. Trying to stay clear. Out my way. Keep them problems in the past we had in yesterday. God bless you. And your loved ones. Be thankful where you at. Don't forget where you come from. I'm talking no regrets. See the past and past us by And the future's on the horizon But right now is where we live life Ain't no rejects All you have to do is believe Just asking you'll receive Everything that's meant to be